Welcome back to the Hungry Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Moose, and we're here to get rid of the starving artist mentality by talking with hungry, driven, passionate artists and hearing their recipes for success each week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Hungry Artist Podcast. I am talking today with Nate Huntley, who is a writer of comedic features, a very prolific writer, if I do say so myself, although he would probably roll his eyes at that description, but um, written so many things, including comedy sketches, including songs. He also acts. So all the things, this conversation is a deep dive into a lot of that, including how he got his agent uh, as a writer, how they pitched the scripts that he's written to studios and what that process is like, as well as his writing process in general. And something that I find particularly helpful from Nate is this really great information about how to set goals and the steps, what makes a good goal, the steps to keeping up and keeping accountable with your goals, um, I think you'll really enjoy. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Nate. Well, welcome to the podcast, Nate Huntley. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, of course. I'm so excited to talk to you. We talk all the time, so I'm sure some of these will be repeat questions that I've already had for you, but I can always use a refresher and everyone else needs to hear your magnificent wisdom. So <laughs> yes, very wise. That's me. Very wise. The wisdom sense. tree. Wait, is it the wisdom tree? Is that a thing? Or am I confusing that with the the giving? Tree? Oh, no, I would confuse them too. I don't know. Isn't the wisdom tree what you can hike to in LA and then the giving trees book? <laughs> Yes, and they're the <laughs> I believe the cousin is Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree uh, that we go camping. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, um, I feel like I'm gonna be laughing at all times throughout this recording because you're a comedy guy. So I would just like to hear your background, like improv sketch. Where did we start? Why comedy? Yeah, so I Started doing comedy, uh, I, I'd say like I really started doing it when I was in college. Uh, I auditioned for a, a, an improv group called The Loaf, and we I ended up doing improv for four years there. And like kind of un uh, – like w there was no plan. There was no – like there, a little bit of direction from our like leaders, but we really just were just making it up as we went. Yeah. Uh, and then – about my junior year, I started making these sketches with a friend of mine who was like a filmmaker. And I was like, oh, this is this is very fun. This is what I like. And we just started doing those. We So the group is called The Loaf. We created uh, these shorts called Biscuits. Bis oh, my gosh. Skits. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that um, is good. I don't think it. I don't think it was me that came up with that. Uh, I can't take credit. And then this we is like all then hungry these, like, artist approved. Oh yeah, yeah. Any food related puns are perfect. <laughs> and I got another one for you because then we like create the created these week shorts called crumbs. So that was super fun. Um, this is amazing. But then then I left school and I, I was a musical theater guy. So I went to New York, and while I was there, I, I started at UCB. And then kind of kind of stopped doing the comedy stuff. I would like make a sketch here and there. But um I like it's always been in the background of like no matter what I do, I'm trying to make it funny. 
Mm. Um, which probably says more about me as a person than an artist, but here we are. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And then I guess during, during the pandemic, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to become comedy writer and producer and actor and that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you have, um, kind of like a priority where it's like writing's my thing or acting's my thing, or it's a, it's a, like all of the above. However it happens. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I call them my pies, my four pies. Mm -hmm. So I've got my acting, writing, comedy, and music because I'm also a, a songwriter. So yes. Yeah. And and so I, I try and keep them all equal. But recently, I've, I've been changing my metaphor slightly to be horses because- The patriarchy? Why no. not? Because of the patriarchy. <laughs> yes, I am Ken. <laughs> And the, the, the plant, like if I, let's, let's say I've got these, if, if all my pies were magically Cinderella into horses, yes. um, they, I, if, if one horse gets a little further in the race, that's fine. Cause I feel like the others will catch up. So, mm. so I don't have a priority. I'm not trying to make one horse go faster than the other, but if one does take off, then I'll be like, great. That's, that's my horse right now. I'll give that horse a little bit more TLC and, and focus on that one. I a bit. was like a little more hay and carrots, <laughs> a little more apples. Yes, <laughs> sugar cubes. <laughs> what else do horses eat? I have I no idea. Clearly, I know nothing about horses. It's fine. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, so you're talking about being in New York and uh, doing musical theater and that kind of thing. When did you move to LA? It's just been a little over a year, right? Uh, it's, it's actually, uh, I'm a week away from two years at time. Oh recording. my goodness. Yeah. Uh, so I'll be, you know, celebrating my two year anniversary soon. Uh, wow. yeah. So it's, so it's been two years. Well, which is crazy. When did you write your first feature script? I wrote my first feature during the pandemic. So basically okay. before before the pandemic started, I was actually, I moved back to New York. I had just done a long cruise ship contract and I moved back to New York and I was like, I really wanted to start creating. I wanted to write. And I was like doing the New York hustle. And I was like, man, there's like, there's no time to do these things. And I, I was like, I just wish that I had a lot of time to just sit around and write. And then lo and behold, the pandemic happened. So I'm like, well, thanks kind of Nate. responsible yeah you're welcome everybody <laughs> um yeah so i uh <laughs> i was gonna make a bad joke i can't say it i can't say it i'm, I wanna I'm, hear I'm filtering myself so you had a lot of time to write because pandemic yes so so pandemic happened and i was like uh so i basically i wrote my first script probably in like april or may and Boy, is it bad. I've I've not even gone back to look at it. It is just so bad. You just had to get that but, out and you're like, man, moving on. Yeah, I was I got it out. And and there's the thing when you write something and you finish it and you're like, wow, this is good. This is this is good. I feel like I should I should probably send it to somebody right now because then they'll just they'll just make it into a movie right now. And then you like give it a month and then you go back and you're like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed that I even wrote this. Oh no. Um, 
so that was my that was my journey with that script. Yeah. And but it was like autobiograph autobiographical and comedic. So yeah, I, but I I feel like and and you and I have talked about this before. Like you just got to get the first one out. Yeah. You, you can't be like precious about it and just like just write something terrible. There you go. Yeah. It's good advice. Well, before we get into a whole bunch of writing cuz obviously I want I have so many questions. Mm. New York versus LA. Why come to LA? You just recently had a trip back to New York for work. What I don't know, pros and cons of both, cultures of both. What what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, it was actually it's it's funny cuz I cuz I you know, I did just get back yesterday and there was a there was a part of me that I was like you know, I I, I kind of do miss New York. And yeah. then I was there for a week and I'm like, nope, I made the right call. Really? Like I, I, yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I like New York, but I, I really, I, I love LA and it's, it's more on a personal level. I just like the pace of it. Yeah. Like New York is just, it's so tiring and you're just exhausted and it's so busy. And, and like that, there's like that inner peace that just goes away, you know, whereas like in LA, you're like, oh, I feel it's like more spread out. I feel like I can actually have room to think like I didn't write a single thing when I was in New York because mm. I was just like, I was too busy. I was too, you know, frantic, whatever. Hmm. Um, but I, I mean, there are advantages of course, like New York has dollar pizza. I, you know, I <laughs> love dollar pizza. It is a big advantage, but also <laughs> professionally there are, there are obviously things there that, that aren't as prevalent here. Like there's a lot of theater there that's not here. And, mm. um, but overall, the the things that I want to do are here. And that's why I ended up moving here. So yeah, I was like, was that the impetus? It was yeah. just like, okay, I'm trying to now go less from musical theater and more to film. And that's why LA was chosen. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And I also feel like the the type of things that shoot in LA are, you know, fit my style as well. Like I felt like when I was in New York and I was auditioning for, or I would like do these casting workshops for Blue Bloods and Law and Order. Ah. And I'm like, I, I'm not, that's not me. Like, I don't I want to see that. Nate, Nate Detective. I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Where were you? I swear. I didn't know where he was. It wasn't me. I swear. Yeah, no, I, I'd be terrible. Oh, my gosh. No, it would be amazing, actually. But, okay. I understand your point. You just said it wouldn't be like what you're trying to do. What? What is more your style? Do you have a voice that you feel is emerging? You've written a couple of scripts now. So what's what's Nate Huntley's thing? Yeah. I mean, my my preference of what I like to write is high concept comedy. So for, for those who don't know what that is, it's like the question of what if. So Jim Carrey did a lot of those hmm. back in the 90s. So like liar, liar, like what if a lawyer couldn't lie for a whole day? I think was Was it only a day? I don't know. It feels like longer. In liar, liar. Maybe. I feel like it. I feel I like know. it was a lot longer, but maybe it's a week. I gotta rewatch that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or like the mask is like, what if, what if this guy was given the powers of a Norse god of mischief? Um, so, so that's kind of the question is like, well, what if? And mm -hmm. so that's kind of, that's kind of my brand is high concept comedies. Um, and I, but also my my brand I feel is comedy with heart. So. So it's not just joke, 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 but it's like joke, joke, heart, joke, 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 heart. 
Heart question mark? I'm eloquent. <laughs> There's a heart with a question mark. But uh, but also, because I feel like, I feel like because comedy opens people up. So if you're, and I'm, I'm not the one who, who creates, who said this in the first place, and I'll, I'll be just probably butchering a lot of people's quotes today. But what, what comedy does is it, it opens people up to then experience real emotion. Because like, if you can win someone over by making them laugh, then the emotion is just going to, it's going to kind of surprise them and hopefully smack them across the face or stab them in the heart or whatever kind of uh, brutal thing you want to do to your audience member. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how, that, how I feel about my, my writing is that I want to, I want to make them laugh and I don't want to make them care, but they're not going to expect to care. Right. And that's, I was going to ask you why, why do you prefer comedy? So that was perfect. But also do you have any specific messages you find that you're trying to write to or things that are important to you that you're trying to get across in your work or it just depends project to project maybe? Yeah, I think it depends on project to project. Like I don't think I have a, an overarching goal of, of like stories I'm trying to tell. I just want to tell honest stories and that are just funny. So like, and, and the, the, the problem that I run into when I, when I write and also we're, and now I'm getting into writing, but I feel like yeah. you come up, I come up with the concept first and then I have to find out what the story is and why it matters. You yeah. Know? Interesting. So you kind of work backwards that way. It's, is that how it always comes to you? Is it's like the concept or just the idea first? And then you have to be like, okay, who are the characters involved? What is yeah. the world? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, what? Why? Why would I tell the story? Why should should someone watch it? And why would they care? As you know, yeah. inst more than just the the big idea of what it is. You okay, know? well, this kind of leads me into. I have a question here from Instagram, and I think I'm gonna have to summarize because it was a little, it's a little long. But Michael from wow. Instagram is asking. Um, you know, when you're working, because you've also directed as well as written. So I think this is perfect mm -hmm. for you. Um, but you have a scene that's supposed to be funny. Obviously you're writing for comedy, but how do you toe that line between actors being like, this is supposed to be funny versus finding the more natural comedy. And maybe even, you know, there are like horror films or dramatic films that aren't meant to be funny, but then like one moment happens where it's just so true that of course it's hilarious. So kind of asking about writing to comedy, but not overdoing it maybe or making sure it stays true. Yeah. And I, I think the way to thank you, Michael, for your question. I feel like the way to, <laughs> to keep it, to keep it true is, is to keep it honest. You know, like if you're, if you're doing a if writing comedy or you're doing a comedic scene, you can't play the comedy of it. You have to play the truth of it. Like, and, and that's going to make it all the funnier, you know, if you're doing a, mm -hmm. a, you know, and, and I also feel like the more ridiculous it is, the more serious you have to take it. Like I did this mm. sketch where like we all their, cared about their stakes have to be. The like stakes the have to be so to... high. Yeah. 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 And when you're writing, you have to really get into the characters' minds of like, this is not a joke to them. This is their life right. and death. So like I did this sketch where it's two cops interrogating a guy and he's like wrongfully accused. And then they, they reveal that he's in there because he uh, killed some plants. And it's just 
the dumbest of premises, but like they, it is not a joke to any of them. You know, the two cops are like, this is, you are a murderer. How dare you? But then the guy is like, I, what? Like, I, I don't belong in here. So, but it only works because, because all the actors take it so seriously. Yeah. Um, I had another thought, but it's gone. Well, maybe it'll come back. I, I, I watched a, an interview. I think I've told you this before where it was, um, oh no, blanking on names, um, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel talking about. This is, this his, is, uh, this is literally the, the thought that I had. You and there I There you go. I took thought. it from you. I know. I know. Yeah. We're, 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 we're talking about Judd Apatow. Told him to, yeah. Yep. Okay. Brilliant. You, then so you take it away. we are. Okay. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that, wow. Weird. This is exactly the thought that I had. So yeah, Judd Apatow told Jason Siegel to don't write a comedy, write a drama, but because of the way you see the world, it will be funny. So that's kind mm-hmm. of, that's kind of the, that's the gig, you know, is to, is to write something honest. And because like, you don't need to try and be funny. If, if you are funny, you will write funny. You just, I like, you can't help it. I think. You know, it's just part of our DNA. Yeah, or or you can worry about adding in the humor later, but it needs to start with mm. like the right foundation, the right structure of a good story, and then you worry about making it funny. There's a great, uh, not to pr- uh, plug another podcast, but there's a there's a great <laughs> episode of Script Notes um, where Craig Mazin talks about how to write a feature, and I think it it is the most helpful piece of like screenwriting advice I've gotten and consolidated into like 45 minutes or something. But basically he's all like, it's all about just writing from a place of what is, who is your character and how are you trying to test them to answer your central dramatic argument? Mm -hmm. And he is much more eloquent than I will ever try to uh, repeat. But just, just that, that also helped me for like this, this, script that I just wrote, I, in the past, I've written scripts where it's like, oh, I, I've got this outline, I've got this idea, I'm just going to plug in based off of the the outline, you know, that Save the Cat gave me or Sidfield. Mm-hmm. And Craig was like, don't worry about act structure, don't worry about what happens when just right from a, a point of I'm trying to test my character and, and make things very difficult for them so that they can learn their lesson by the end. And, and, and I was like, I, I actually had too much story almost because I was like, mm. Oh, I, then I can, I can push them this way and I can push them this way. So it actually helped in a way. Whereas like before with like a, and a, one of the other outlines or books that, that they tell you about screenwriting, it felt like the structure was there. Like there was a skeleton, but there was no, there was no muscle or, skin or fat or membrane and how many other things go uh sinew, above a bone sinew. sinew yes um and for me a lot of hair but th- that was that's like what i found with this other one is that there was a lot of there's a lot more substance to it i felt that yeah. it, and it and it all was stemmed from character which i it was a it was a first and i really enjoyed it that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. I'll um, send you that link too. I would love that. And 
Also, you mentioned some other books. So for people really just starting out, what were those two books that you'd point people to that would be more the skeleton, but maybe a good starting yes. point for people? It, it was definitely a good starting point for me. Like I wrote a bunch of screenplays with Save the Cat, which is Blake Snyder's book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sid Field was kind of one of the first screenwriter writers um, on like how to, and he, what, what a book that I used of his was called this Sidfield screenwriters workbook where, you know, mm-hmm. chapter by chapter, if you, if you start at the beginning, you do chapter by chapter, you'll end up with a full screenplay. So I've done, I did that for two or three screenplays and they're not, they're not bad. I don't think, but yeah, that's, those are the, those are the two. Interesting. Yeah. Well, when you're talking about like, you want to push your character, um, that's so interesting because I've taken this writer's workshop. Um, I'm much newer to feature film writing. And the guy was definitely like, um, it's too easy for your character. It's too easy for them. You need to add more obstacles. And I was like, I don't know how. This, this is just what's happening. <laughs> so yeah. that is definitely something that I need to check out. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I felt that too. Even even looking back on some scripts that I am, am still – proud of but i'm like oh i it's yeah it's not um it's not hard enough on them and so so this this one that i just wrote i'm like wow i made his journey very difficult um which is good (laughs) yeah yeah because otherwise who cares like you don't want to watch someone who's like oh they had an easy time yeah exactly came out on top but they started (laughs) on top so who cares so who cares i know and i think it's you know part of the hero's journey is we see ourselves in these characters. So we want to see them really fall down so we can prove to ourselves even that we can get back up. Right. Exactly. I want to skip straight to, and we can of course go back to writing process, but you recently got an agent. Congrats. So exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, And I want to hear like about that process. Like, how many things had you already written? How did you reach out? Was it like with log lines and what was the kind of response? And then eventually, uh, obviously signing with the agent. So the, the process was a bit of a roundabout one. Um, but I had written, I want to say I'd written four scripts at the time, maybe five when I, when I met my agent, but I basically in, about a year ago, I did a reading, a table read of one of my scripts, and one of one of the guys who read one of the roles said, "Hey, this script is really good. Do you want to? Would you mind if I sent it to my manager at, at the time?" And I was like, uh, mm. "Yeah, please do." And uh, I think he did, or maybe he, he said about it, but I didn't hear back. And I was like, "Okay, you know what? It happens." And that was like in in October. And then in the new year, in January, I was like, you know what? This is the year I get an agent. I was like, I have to, I have to be very purposeful about this. So I made a whole, I made a, a list of called Nate gets an agent or something. And I, and every week there's a little box. And basically just the goal was to reach out to one agent per week and at the end of the year, I will have reached out to 52, but I really wanted to yeah. spend the entire week making sure that I researched as much as I could about them. And I would send like, um, I would 
research them, and then I would send them uh, what we call a query. So you basically send them a little bit about you, send them a log line of your script, and say, hey, I've got this script. This is what it's about. I would love to chat with you. And there, there are a lot of examples of really good queries online that I found. Um, and it'll tell you what queries not to write, which is also helpful. Hmm. And I ended up, yeah, it, I, I, I like waited. I sent a bunch. I like really worked on my query message because it, it went through many iterations until a point where I was like, okay, I feel really good about this. I'm going to reach out to that manager that I was kind of connected to earlier, sent it to him. And then within about a week, he had, he had read the script and he was like, yeah, this is, this is really good. Let's, let's do it. I love it. So good. So it's a manager or it's an agent. He was a manager and then he, he switched to an agency uh, right before we started working together. So okay. it was, yeah, he was mm -hmm. kind of looking for new clients as well. So gotcha, kind gotcha. of just worked out. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Now that you are with the agent, you've kind of done a round of pitching to studios or production companies, right? So what what was that yeah. like on on your end? It was it was cool. It was interesting. Um so I wrote this script uh as you know called PizzaCon. Yeah. Um which <laughs> Uh, we can either get into that or not. It's up to you. Uh, but okay. basically, we, I, yeah, we can. I, okay. Do you want to get into that now or after? A after, after. Okay, after. Okay, great. So ended up sending that around because uh, my agent had some had some connections. So we sent it to a bunch of different studios and got some like it, it was it was it was nuts. Like we were sending this out to some really big fish. And just, I, I would get texts from my agent being like, oh, so-and-so is reading PizzaCon. I was like, what? I was like, okay, great. This is great. <laughs> like, yeah. even if they, even if they say no, like, this is very cool. And, um, I mean, no one, no one bought. It was also right before the strike, but uh, it doesn't matter regardless if they bought or not. I was, I was excited the fact that like they were reading it mm -hmm. and there was one studio that came back with some really nice feedback of of like, Hey, it's not for us, um, for X, Y, Z, but we really liked ABC. Yeah. Um, didn't they and, say it was too niche or what was the wording they kind of, yeah, they said it was too, um, what did they say? They, they said, we want to, we want to focus our stories on wider worlds as opposed to more specific subcultures. Aha. Uh -huh. I was like, great. That's fine. Um, so, but I also said like the reason that they don't want it is the reason that somebody else will. And now that the studio has read my script and they actually, they were like, oh, I really like this relationship. I, yeah. this character is hilarious. I feel confident then when we send them something else, they'll be like, oh yeah, this is that, this is that guy that wrote PizzaCon. Okay. This is, we, we like that guy. So fingers crossed when this, uh, this hullabaloo ends that they'll, we'll be able to, you know, Send kick out that up, back up where we started. Yeah. I know. That's that's so exciting. So tell everyone then what is this super niche pizza con about? <laughs> and also where did the idea come from? Because I love all of it. Okay. So pizza con is based off of a real event that happens. Um, there's an event in Las Vegas called the International Pizza Expo. This is a real thing. And my dad's been going for 
20 years or so uh, because he works in pizza as a, as an oven maker. And every year he's gone to the Vegas, but I've not been able to attend because I either lived in New York or was in school. And I was like, oh, I live in LA. It's only four hours. I'm all, let me come and, and see what this is all about. I want to, I want to check it out. And I went and it is, it is the comic con of pizza. There is anything you can imagine about pizza is happening at this convention and in, in just the largest convention center. And in that convention center, there's also an athletics portion or an athletics competition where they do different events like the, who can, who can make dough the fastest, who can uh, fold pizza boxes the fastest, but they're like the pinnacle event is called freestyle pizza acrobatics. It is, they, they call themselves the Harlem Globetrotters of pizza. And <laughs> it's honestly very impressive, but I, I went with my friend, uh, like we, because like my friend and I stumbled across this event and we saw it happening. We were like, what is this? But we got so into it and everyone there is like die hard pizza acrobatics fans or competitors. And it was like this entire world that I didn't know existed, the world pizza games. I was like, what? <laughs> and so, and I was like, how have I never heard about this before? So I ended up writing a script about um, a few different competitors trying to become the next pizza champion. And Love it. yeah, in freestyle pizza acrobatics. So that's PizzaCon. Because why not? <laughs> because why not? It's amazing. And you did a table read for PizzaCon. In your writing process, how did that help you? What did you learn from the table read? And did you make any changes to the script? Um, yeah, it, it taught me a few things. Um, first of all, it's an ensemble comedy. Um, but it also taught me that like, you know, I, it, writing ensemble comedies are hard, uh, when they don't intersect a lot. So it, while I'm, I'm very happy with the script, I'm also, I, mm -hmm. it, I became aware that I was like, Oh, okay. These people are all on their own different journey and they do intersect, but really there's no kind of overarching theme or central dramatic argument that I'm trying to make. And I also realized that I made things a bit easy on my protagonist. And uh, in terms of what edits I've made, I have not made any yet, but I know that I need to, but it's also, I'm, it's hard. Like I know writing is rewriting, but it is, yeah. it's hard for me to be like, to just throw something out and throw it all out. So Especially when I, you've already got like the full, like you have a finished script and you're like, oh, but yeah. it needs reworking. It needs reworking. I'm like, so do I just like how much of it do I need to throw yeah. out in order to, you know, fix it? So I, that, uh, that concept kind of intimidates me um, and scares me to be like, oh, I, I, cause I might have to just cut a bunch of characters, or maybe I just focus on one specific character and cut the rest. But like what I enjoy about it is that it is ensemble and it is focused on these other people. So yeah, got to figure that out. But yeah, I have, haven't quite found the answer. Interesting. Well, has your agent or because that's the one that you sent out was mm -hmm. had any of that feedback helped where people are like, yeah, if it was this, but just the two main characters, we'd love it. Or if it was this, but you know, have you gotten that kind of feedback? 
I not from not from the studios, but but um, I I have gotten that feedback from others, uh, like from the table read. I got I yeah. got that feedback, and it was actually very helpful. It's it's also hard. I don't know if if other writers can. Uh, well, I know other writers can can. Uh, You're the only one. <laughs> I'm the only writer. It's crazy. Um, that that you know when you get when you get feedback, even if it's even if it's spot on and it's right and it's what you need to hear and it's the medicine that you need. Boy, does it 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 stings. You know, it's like mm. it it hurts to go down and and so that you uh, automatically. I think the the reaction is a knee jerk one. You're just like, nope, you're wrong. I'm right. But but really, like if you take a step back and you you think about it, generally, I mean, and and so, so maybe they are wrong. But it is it is helpful to really consider that and, and look at your story and be like, are they right? Do does this need work? As opposed to being like, you know, I like what I have and I don't want to change it. You know, but sometimes you do get feedback and you're like, oh, that's just, I see what they're saying, but it's just not the right kind of story that I want to tell, which is fine. And then you can just choose to ignore their advice. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where I heard this, but it was like, um, I was like, maybe you said it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that when you get feedback, pay attention to what they said wasn't working and not necessarily how they say to fix it. Because that way you're like, oh, okay, mm. this relationship isn't quite where it needs to be, but they want you to fix it by making them in love with someone else or something. And you're like, no, that's not where I was going to take it, but I understand that this still needs work. That's very wise. It was not me that said it, <laughs> but I, I should remember uh, that in, moving forward. Yeah, there you go. That's that's a freebie for everybody. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, then tell me about your writing process because just as an outsider looking in, it looks like you churn out these scripts like nobody's business. So from just like ideation to, and I know now your writing process sounds like it's changing because you went from these like uh, more the skeleton fleshing out outlines kind of approach to maybe this new method that you're working on but timeline wise how long have you taken and and kind of what have been the goals that you set to get there yeah so i think it, it all starts with the idea um like we like we mentioned like what is the concept what is the big idea so i i i have a, a running note in my phone that is just any thought and idea. And this goes for a sketch, a movie, a song, blah, blah, blah. Like I, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what this is. It's just a bit, it's a pun, it's something, but I just keep a running tally. And sometimes I'll, I'll write things and, and I'll go back and find it. And I'll be like, Oh wow, this actually really resonates at this point, but it didn't when I wrote it. Or sometimes I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll write in there and I'll start, I'll just be like writing a sentence or two because generally that's all it is. It's like, oh, a person uh, competes for the freestyle pizza acrobatics. Like that is all it is. But sometimes there's there's an idea that I have and I'll I'll start and be like, oh, this happens, this happens. And then I'll put it away. And then I'll open back up and I'm like, and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens and it like starts becoming a whole thing. And I'm like, okay, I've got to move away from my notes app now and just start putting this in like a document on, on my computer. Mm. And that's when I know that I'm like, okay, this is, 
this is something because I've got a lot of ideas. And then I start just blue skying. So you, you think in like a, a perfect world, what is all that could happen? Um, and I know you know that term because we watched that Stranger Things masterclass. Yeah, Duffer um, Brothers on masterclass. Duffer Brothers. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, then, then so for uh, th this script that I just finished is um, basically the process was I came up with the concept uh, mid July, I think in my, in my notes app. And then I just kept writing ideas, writing ideas. I wasn't trying to write the script. I was just trying to figure out all the possible things that could happen with this concept and trying to explore mm. like, okay, who could this happen to and why, and what, what could I do with it? What story could I tell while using this, this high concept concept? And then I went away I went on vacation for, for two weeks. I went home to Ohio and basically just was just like letting it marinate for a while and still didn't, didn't have an outline, didn't have really, I didn't know what the story was. I had like a couple of beats and moments and things where I was like, oh, this would make a good, maybe act two moment. This would might make a good finale moment. This is, this is probably what, what the opening would look like, but I wasn't trying to write it. And then I came back on a Sunday, I started the outline on Monday, um, finished outline on Wednesday, started the script on Thursday, and then I finished the script on the next Thursday, which is wow! Or it's it's, it's a insane. record for me. That is that is not <laughs> normal for me. Um, <laughs> but I I think because I was so uh, I had let it sit so long that it was just like, yeah. it was cooking and cooking. So when I started actually the writing process, it just moved. And, and also I just let so many other things fall to the wayside in that week. I was like, Oh, mm. I'm, I'm just not going to do, I'm not going to work out. I am going to not cook. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm just going to write like in any of my free moment. Um, yeah. So I did that. And that was about, mm, it was about a, a two weeks ago, a week ago. No, it was about nine days ago. Something I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the specificity. <laughs> I know. I'm like uh, nine oh, days ago. It was ago? probably like I don't know. It was probably like it was exactly nine days ago. <laughs> and I'm also, still I recovering. Was, <laughs> I said it was mid July. It was July twentieth. I didn't. Just, I just didn't want to get that specific. <laughs> Everybody listening. It sound weird. This is Nate's like, okay, I'm I'm like, we're gonna start at 1.30. And he's like, let's start at 1.32. I know. <laughs> I'll be ready to I, log I on did, at 1.32. I did and what time was I on? You were on at 1.32. It's amazing. I, well, because I was like, I fin I'm finishing another call at 1.30. I was like, you know, I'm just estimating it'll probably take me time to get over here. I I don't know. <laughs> So fantastic. I, I remember dates in a weird way. I just like no dates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I do want to ask um, because I have seen your index cards for your monthly goals mm. and I am obsessed with your process. I've been trying to work on my own system of something that's similar and I might have finally come up with something. But Ooh. you mentioned your pies and – then I know you set goals. So what does that process look like for you and describe the index cards and all that? Yeah. So, so my pies, as I mentioned, um, those are my year goals. So I've got like, 
I set these big goals at the beginning of the year. And then I basically every month I go through, I look at each pie. I'm like, okay, what, what can I do this month to get me closer to that goal? And then I'll, I'll do that. So every month I, I keep track of that. And then I also, then each week uh, on every Sunday, I write, okay, what can I do this week to get me closer to that monthly goal? That way it doesn't feel like I'm trying to accomplish a yearly goal every single week or every single day, but it's like broken down into yeah. like manageable bites. And then I also have a habit tracker, which is my daily habits that I, that I need to do, like uh, my practicing of guitar and piano and uh, morning pages. And also I have like a creative writing book that I bought at the beginning of the year. And I do one prompt a day, um, just to keep the juices flowing. And I get, uh, what I really like is I get to like color in a little box each day. So when I, when I finish, I'm like, okay, oh. guitar, I color in my little yellow box and then piano is my little purple box. And I think it just helps. It helps me just stay accountable. And I'm also very, yeah. um, probably not uh in a mentally healthy way but i'm very hard on myself when i don't do my daily goals and my my weekly goals and blah 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 uh -huh. so that's how i stay so um consistent if you will uh-huh well i was kind of gonna ask because as much as i love all the habit tracker stuff i know this is where like my perfectionist tendencies creep in. I'm like, well, if I can't get a hundred percent, then why am I even bothering with this? And I did, yeah. I did the habit tracker for two weeks and now I'm going to throw the whole year's worth of journal out because I didn't keep up with it for two days. So therefore I am trash. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so and that's, you... the, that's the battle. It's all, it's yeah. all about just striving to be better, not striving for, you hear that dog? Kill, it kills me. The dog, yeah. My neighbor has a dog downstairs. Oh, came in about a month ago, maybe two months, and is oh, just the no. worst. Um, anyway, yeah, so <laughs> I, I think it's all about striving for striving to be better, not to be perfect. Because, yeah, you know, you can you're not going to write a perfect script, you can just write a better script. So I think in in your daily life, just trying to to strive to, to accomplish more than you did yesterday. If that's what you want to do, like if, if you've got this goal and you really want to make a habit, just, um, make it a priority, but don't, don't stop if you don't get it, you know? I, and, and I think I, I'm also a personal trainer, as you know, I think it, it kind of goes down to fitness too. Like when, when people come into their, like maybe they're coming back to fitness after a long while away and they, they bite off a bit more than they can chew. And they're just like, they get overwhelmed, they get burnt out and they stop coming all together. So that's yeah. obviously not what you want to do either. So you really have to just find that balance and um, give yourself some grace and some, some leniency, but also have a bit of a, um, I don't know, firm hand is the right term just to, to like really try and keep yourself accountable, but don't, you kind of have to, you have to be the angel and the devil on your shoulder is what mm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's like Which hold is, yourself accountable, but give yourself grace. Yeah. Give yourself grace to, to come back tomorrow, you know? Yeah. And give yourself well, another chance I'm, to do it. I'm curious. I mean, just kind of as a follow up to that and you basically already said it, but, um, I feel like a lot of creative people do get burnt out 
I mean, obviously you're balancing your uh, life obligations, your financial obligations, um, and then on top of it, having trying to pursue these creative goals. So maybe I'll ask it that way. How do you maintain that life balance? And maybe it kind of comes and goes, like you said, you had this script and it's like, okay, I'm ordering food this week because I this is just coming out right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and and I think it, it it does come in waves too. I mean, there are times also like when there there are weeks when I'll write six songs, but also I haven't written a single song in August. So it's like sometimes it just comes in waves, and you just have to follow the inspiration and see where the wave takes you. And in terms of like balance with your life, you obviously have to make sure that you're doing what you need to do to survive and and hopefully live a healthy lifestyle. But I I don't know. I'm also at a place in my life where I don't have a lot of obligations. So I do have a lot mm. of time. Like I don't have, I'm not in a relationship. I don't have kids. I, I really, any time that I spend is how I want to spend it. So except for yeah. when I'm working, that's how I have to spend it. Um, right. Yeah. But so that could be um, kind of unhelpful advice. <laughs> this guy honest. with all his perfect life. <laughs> yeah, come on, just take all the time you you know. But I, yeah, I mean, I think it's just about like finding like you, and and also each person is different. Like I've got these lofty goals because I have all this time. If I had less time, I would adjust the goals accordingly. So you just have to figure out like what time you have available. Yeah. To well, pursue these creative habits, where can you find more time, and then how do you break it down? Well, that's something I wanted to ask because you were like, well, I wrote six songs in a week, but then haven't in August. So that was something that I was struggling with and trying to figure out what process worked for me and everybody's tracker and accountability and goal setting is going to look different. Um, but how do you, because you can't really know in advance, like, oh, inspiration is going to strike me this month and I can get out 10 new songs, but yet you put yeah. on your goal four new songs. So how do you kind of come up with those monthly goals, but then leave room for it to change. I mean, I think it all just goes, it always funnels back up to the yearly goal. So my yearly goal is to write 40 songs. And so if I write three songs a month, that'll get me pretty close. And some, I know some months will be higher, some months will be lower. Um, and so, I mean, how I do that is, is if I stick with my habits, if I sit down at the piano, if I sit down with a guitar for 15 minutes a day, I want, I know I won't be able to help myself like a, an idea will come. It won't come every day, but there will be an idea that comes. And it's just following that and giving myself the time to find it. You know, I sit down, there's some days when I sit down for 15 minutes, I'm like, oh God, this 15 minutes is taking forever. And then my timer goes off. I'm like, thank God. And then there are other days where I'm like sitting for 15 minutes on my guitar and I get a really good idea for a song and I start writing it. And my timer goes off. I'm like, shut up timer. I'm writing. Can't you see like, leave me alone. So then I'll like, Gosh. but it's just, it's just sitting, the, but it, you just have to keep sitting down with the thing that you're trying to do. So if you're trying to, if you're trying to work on, you know, painting, you just have to, you just have to keep painting every day and give yourself that, that time and that space. To so be it kind of sounds like you've got your big yearly goals. You're checking in to try to turn those into monthly goals. You're checking in weekly on Sundays to turn that into how can I, best get to these monthly goals and then you've got daily habits that are maybe like the smallest amount like a minimum amount mm -hmm. that kind of gets you there like 15 minutes of guitar might lead to writing a song 
kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Very regimented indeed. Yeah, it is. It is. But, but I mean, but that's what works for me. And I'll say, yeah, what I, what inspired me to do this is like, I was in the pandemic for maybe a couple months, just aimless, like trying to be creative, but aimless. And I was like, I have to figure out something to make my time more efficient and effective. And what actually helped me was a book called Atomic Habits. I don't know if you know it. Um, James Clear. Yeah. 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 So it, that, that helped me a lot just to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And, and to be honest, I only read about half of it until I was like, Oh, I, I know what I want to do. I know how to make my thing. And so I, I still haven't read the second half. I I actually think I haven't finished it either. (laughs) I don't think I, I think I did. Cause I think, I think we like, you get what you need out of it and then you leave. (laughs) That's so weird. Um, yeah, it's like going to a buffet and you're like, ah, well, I, I tried all that I wanted, so I'm going to head out. I don't need to try all the foods. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, I want to pivot a little bit, but I know that a lot of your monthly goals involve writing a certain number of sketches. So you have your own sketch comedy, Argyle Gargoyle. First of all, what uh, what is the name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, you got it right, but yes. technically we pronounce it Argagagarl because oh, it okay, is great. very difficult Argar-gar-gar-gar. to say. <laughs> um, no, it is Argyle Gargoyle, um, named specifically to be difficult to say. Um, and yeah, we do, we do comedy sketches and it started as a pan- pandemic project. I mm. just to, you know, kind of stay sane and, and also like I, I wanted to get back into comedy, as I said, so this is just a way for me to do it. I started on green screens and zooms and, and all this kind of things. And then basically when I moved out to LA, my goal was to level up. And so I've just been trying to find super talented people to collaborate with and people that were also trying to make the things that I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. And I found a, a great group of people. And now we make, we make funny things. I love it. That leads me to, Another Instagram question. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Let me see. Okay. So Danny on Instagram asks multiple things. We'll go, we'll start with uh, what is the anatomy of a good comedic scene and or anatomy of a good joke? (sighs) Oof. Danny with the hard questions. Yeah. Um, I mean, God, what is the anatomy of a good comedic scene or a good joke? I think the, the, okay, so great. Here we go. Let's break it down. You need your setup. So you need to introduce your characters and then you, then you need to surprise so, so at least for, let's just talk about the anatomy of a sketch. Um, okay. cause I think a comedic scene, there are so many different variations of it and a joke, I think kind of works in the way that a sketch does. Maybe mm-hmm. you, these, your listeners will disagree, but in, in a sketch, you want to start with the setup, just normal life. Nothing is, is out of the ordinary. You watch an SNL sketch. They all start 
generally pretty normal. There is, there's nothing for the first 30 seconds minute, you know, key and peel were masters, but like you start off pretty general and then something happens that is what we call the turn. So you have a, a switch where maybe one person or a few people don't operate in the same way that everyone else in the sketch does. So you got your voice of chaos, you got your voice of reason. So the voice of reason is the audience, you are on the side of these normal people, quote unquote, and then your, uh, your voices of chaos, they're the, 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 the crazy people who have these differing views, and you always want it to be a bit surprising, but it makes sense, but it is a bit surprising. And then you basically just escalate that. So to use a UCB-ism, you, if this is true, then what else is true? How can you escalate your, this comedic point of view, this, this, this joke to be even zanier, but still true to the character? Hmm. And your, your voices of reason will stay in reason, uh, so, so for instance, wrote this sketch about, like I mentioned, uh, with the cops who were accusing someone of killing plants. So it starts off very normal. It is a, it is a law and order type show. And there, there's like this hardened Chicago cop. There's this, you know, Rizzolian Isles type female cop. And then there's a, a guy handcuffed to a table. And it's very, like, we've all seen that, that scene. And then starts off very normal until we reveal that he is in here because he has killed plants. And so then we're like, oh, he's like, oh, wait, hold on. What? Why am I? You know, this isn't a crime. And then we just keep going. We escalate it to the point where we we make it. So this is a life and death situation where we are. So those two cops, we are the voices of chaos. The audience is in the hands of the handcuffed person. And then you build and build and build and build until you kind of want an, an end beat. So our end beat is another bit of a reversal of a surprise. And that the reversal there is that we are actually plants ourselves, which is just so stupid. It's so dumb, <laughs> but I love it so much. So like <laughs> the camera cuts away, he like looks up and then we, standing in our where we were standing are two big old tree plants and like the camera pans down there's where our clothes and then the plants ambush him start beating the crap out of him and we cut away to a person watching on the monitor except it's not a person it's a plant who's smoking a cigarette so that is in my mind the enemy of a joke like you start off normal it gets crazy it gets crazier and then it ends with a surprise a final surprise, surprise. I love it. But there are, also, there are also so many different types of jokes. There's the type of joke you can make where it is a boring joke the whole time. It's a boring story. Maybe it's an interesting story, but there's it's not funny. You know, mm. um, One of my favorite jokes is about a Cheerio climbing the class system within a Cheerio box. And I, I'm, I'm not going to tell you the story because it is about a three-minute to five-minute joke. Okay. <laughs> so I, I do not want to waste anyone's time on this because the the punchline is i and i quote there is no punchline that is that is the punchline 
And it's so it's it's a punching when you get to it, you're like, ugh, I can't yeah. believe I just listened to that so intently. Oh no. The disappointment. So, I know, but all different types of jokes. Yeah. No, that was I, I don't know if I answered Danny's a phenomenal. Question. It was. It was a phenomenal answer. I wasn't ready for I mean, you really broke it down. I appreciate it. <laughs> um I wanna ask then, because it goes so nicely into another question that Danny was asking, and it might be about these plants. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite bit that you got away with? Oh, wow. Danny, <laughs> no, that's a good question. Um, huh. Favorite bit that I got away with. Okay. I know it. So, when I was in college, I the, we we had this this weekly playwriters. It was called playwrights, but it was basically like a uh, writers would submit their their short plays. I think they could be like ten to twenty minutes long, like not not long things in, at all. And they would they would submit them, and then these producers would pick one for the week. They would pick a director, and then on Sunday, the director would find a cast, and they would have four days to put up this show. And then the on Thursday, everyone would do the show, and then there would be a talk back after with the writer, the director, the cast, and they would all talk about like, oh, I really liked this moment, or I really like you to expand on this, or, you know, it, it, it became – you know, every week we were, we were listening to these same talkbacks and a lot of the same things were heard. And there was one moment where someone, someone said something that was like, not really a compliment. And there was this person that was in the audience and they were like, they were not like an actor or type. They were like someone's friend. And they were like, why would you say something like that? And all of us were just like, Ooh, like it was so uncomfortable. And there was like, Oh, I just, I, this is a talkback, like that constructive criticism. And it was so awkward. And I decided in that moment that I was going to write that moment to be a show. I was like, I want to recreate that, but stage it. So <laughs> I wrote a script that was was a, a standard playwright's play. Um, it ended up being like, not terrible in itself. It was like a standard play. And then the the quote unquote play would end. And then the director and the writer came up who were also written into the script to go up and answer talkback questions. And then I planted people in the audience to be uh, question or instigators. And they would, they would always say the same things like, Oh, I really think you should expand on this. And then I had people, I had someone in there complaining that like they always cast the same people um, someone was like, well, I don't get why this person, like they, they just really stirred the pot and everyone watching in the audience, including myself, cause I was in the audience. I was not a part of this. Everyone was just like squirming. <laughs> and then it got to the point where the, the faculty advisor for the group got involved, but everyone thought that he was just mad, but he was also in on it because I, <laughs> I, I recruited him to be on it and they just all got in a fight. And it got to a point where like these four people, just this cacophony of awkwardness and a really awkward silence. And then the, the producer was like, all right, well, thanks everyone for coming. And they, we like ended the play and 
one person like stormed out and I ran down. I was like, wait, 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 before you go, the play that you just saw just ended. <laughs> and, and they were like, you jerk. <laughs> You're terrible. So that was like, it was, it was very meta. And oh my God. I, yeah, I am, I'm proud of it to this day, even though it was like almost 10 years ago. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like Abed in community. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, it was uh yeah, I love I love the meta bits where you trick the audience. It it is super uncomfortable for the audience members. And I and I actually just saw a, a reading of a play on Wednesday and they had so many meta moments and there was one that I was like, Oh, I don't know if this is fake or not. And there was like a real there's a like a quick moment where I was like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable, I wanna leave. And so I, I now that I felt that it's ten years later, I'm like, I kind of feel bad that I did that to this audience <laughs> for like, like ten minutes, just... like they didn't know that it was fake. Oh my god! And I experienced mine for like five seconds. It honestly sounds so similar to "Can I Get a Suggestion," a short film you just recently did. Can you mm -hmm. tell us about that one? And was it similar? Did it come from like a same kind of place? It. Luckily, it did not. Okay. Um, Can I Get a Suggestion is a, a mockumentary short film that I just did for the Collaboration Filmmakers Challenge. And it is a it is a character study, a mockumentary about a guy who believes that his profession is to be the one who goes to improv shows and shouts out suggestions. And he thinks that he is the best at it. It's a batting average. It's not about getting chosen every time. And things end up going poorly. <laughs> he ends up getting into a fight with someone who yells out a suggestion that he doesn't like. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it just, he gets, end up getting kicked out of band from the improv group. Yeah, it was fun, uh, but luckily not based off of any sort of truth. Luckily. Oh, well, any, anyone who's done improv will love the short because it's like, <laughs> well, it's like you said, it's someone who takes, their journey so seriously they're like i'm mm -hmm. the best at giving the suggestions and you know yeah it's just yeah and that's but uh, to to go back to an earlier point that we made like that's what it's like it was not a joke for carl carl miller this it was life and death this <laughs> this profession of his yeah. to give suggestions to be the one who got chosen the fact that he got banned he was he was like heartbroken about it and that's what that's yeah. what I think made it work is that it was not like ha 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 we're funny making jokes like it was like where there were lots of jokes don't get me wrong but they were not jokes to Carl you know that's amazing and I love so um your film how I was first introduced to you uh a wonderful life question mark right <laughs> um yeah. was that your first film or no it was my first, yeah, what I would call my first film, because I'd done a bunch of sketches beforehand, but it was the first one that I was like, this is not a sketch, this is a film. Yeah. Um, and it was so well received, like what, how did, how did that feel? And like, knowing oh, that it wasn't just, just most, a sketch. The, yeah. Yeah. The most like validating moment of my life. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> um, no, it was, it was great. It was. It was very cool to write something again, like comedy with heart. Like it was what I yeah. had had been trying to do, and I'd already written a few of the features that like that had that aspect to it. And so to write a short film 
really condense it, but also like to make it funny the whole time. But then at the end to really sneak that hard in there to where it's like kind of unexpected, but people feel it because they weren't expecting it and they they've already laughed. So they're already on your side. Mm. That, that is, I don't know if I meant to do it or if it just kind of happened, but I'm very grateful that it did. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. Well, it was so beautiful and you're exactly you. like the comedy with heart. That's the perfect way to put it. And I was like, oh, I know exactly who this guy is as a writer director. And it was just so lovely. Um, so now we all gang up on Nate and tell him, hello, submit it to festivals. What are you doing? Why are you sitting on it? <laughs> Why? Hey, don't yell at me. I'm, I'm gonna. The festival thing. Other people need it. to see it. <laughs> Well, luckily, you can find it on Argyle Gargoyle's YouTube page. <laughs> Which also, like, I mean, not to get into the festivals, but I, I don't think you can have a public link. Like, that's that was our link to, we've submitted to a few festivals. Yeah. And we just submit this public link. So I don't think festivals like that, but. Yeah, sometimes there are weird rules about, like, can't have screened anywhere and needs to premiere status and. Yeah. Whatever, but whatevs. Whatevs. Um, but yeah, that one that one is out there. And it's phenomenal and everyone needs to go watch it. But what how does so you've done all these sketches, you've now done some short films. How has that informed both your like writing and you're an actor, both of those um aspects of your creative journey? I think the, I, I've learned a lot by doing. Um, mm -hmm. I think there, there was a point in my life where I, I wanted it to be right from the beginning. And so I didn't, I really didn't go, I, I what, what am I trying to say? I, I didn't want to make something that was not good. So I, I just waited and waited and waited. And I yeah. reached a point, whether it, whether it because of the pandemic or because of a life situation that happened to me, or the fact that like, I'm 30 years old. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't have time to just like sit around and, and wait to make good art. I just have to make bad art. So then I can make good art. So I've made a lot of bad sketches. Like we've, we've got, there are a bunch of Argo Gargoyle sketches that I'm like, that's not the best. But if you watch, if you watch them throughout, you'll be like, Oh, there's a progression where like mm. he learned, you know, like he figured out what, what worked and what didn't. And, and yeah. I, it goes with like the bad scripts that I wrote. I wrote, I wrote a couple of bad scripts. There's my second script was like, I was like, Oh, the idea was good. There was some good stuff to it, but like, it's not great. But then the third one, I was like, Oh, this is, this is something. And, and you've actually read that one. And so I think what I learned, the, the best thing that I've learned is to just be okay doing something that's not perfect. You know, you're not going to write your, your, masterpiece in your first draft so just write your first draft but so you why can eventually not get to <laughs> <laughs> i know i think so many of us struggle with that so it's such a good thing to remember well that... think about the alternative how terrible it would be to write your best work first and then to be to never get better than that like rachmaninoff yeah. wrote his I, I don't even know the name of it, Prelude and D minor or something, whatever. He wrote his like famous, famous song when he was a teenager. I think he was like 17 or 19. 
it, people fact checking this are gonna be like, this guy doesn't know anything of what he's talking about. But <laughs> he he had to play that the rest of his life, and it's all that people wanted to hear. He was like, no, I forgot this. Like, I've been working on this new music, and they're like, play the old thing. Like that would be terrible. <laughs> so like, it's okay to get better. It you just have to, but but you have to. You can't wait to be a, a master at your craft. You have to be bad at it and then get better. Yeah, it kind of reminds me. Oh, sorry. Continue. No, you go. Well, it just reminds me of um, Harper Lee with To Kill a Mockingbird. Like she had so much success with her very mm. first novel that it wasn't until what a few years before she passed that she finally was like, okay, let me try a second one because I think there's just that that pressure to follow up your first thing and it's i mean we love to kill a mockingbird but it's like there's so much more that i'm sure she had in her that yeah you know you can't let that perfectionism win so there kind of is a blessing in like failing in anonymity before you reach your success totally yeah so that but i know i also understand that there is a there's a disconnect when you're when you're making art for the first time um let's say that you're a let's say that you're a songwriter and you're you're writing your first song and you're like wow i finished a song i feel good about it and then you come back to it and you're like this song is terrible and the reason you think it's terrible is because you as a consumer have taste that doesn't align with you as the, as the artist have not reached that same level of where your taste uh -oh, is. Are we yet. going into Ira Glass now? Is that Ira Glass's yeah. statement? Like, is the, that, that the gap? Yeah, great. Yeah. The gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. I don't know if you've talked about Ira Glass, so I don't want to be redundant. No, no, no. Please on continue. This, on this well, yeah, I'll, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll just you put can, it in the I show notes. Even, I don't even know as Ira Glass. I just know, I just live and breathe this, this thing that I've been, has been passed down by other people. Um, but yeah, it's like you you have to allow yourself time for your craft to reach the level of where your taste is. And it's it's a hard disconnect and it's hard to stomach for a while. Um, I don't know. What, what else What else does Ira Glass say? No, it's exactly that. It's like a minute and a half of exactly what you're saying where you have to keep creating through the suck so that you can reach where, where like you, he literally calls it your taste because you know what mm -hmm. you're making isn't as good as you want it to be, but you have to give yourself that time to catch up. Like, just like you said. Yeah, totally. And, and, and I also think that you, it, it's easy to get discouraged by watching people who are very good at it, but I encourage people to like, instead be inspired. So like I, the, the day that I finished my script, this, this most recent one, I went and saw Oppenheimer and I was like, what am I even doing that? I just like that movie, that script is <laughs> transcendent. And I was like, and I just mm. went over here writing my bloop, 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 big joke, 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 <laughs> little bit of heart with a question mark. I'm like, and then I went and saw Oppenheimer. I was like, this is an absolute masterpiece. But also I, as myself had to check myself and be like, okay, first of all, he can be good and I can be good. And that's fine. Mm. Also he is, this is his, what number of movie that he's made right. probably not his that even he's probably written more scripts than that and also that's not like it doesn't matter that he's incredible and i am who I, like i am i do what i do like it doesn't there's there's room enough for both so it's like 
I don't know. I think that applies to the same thing with taste. It's like, just let it inspire you. Let it, let it add fuel to the fire as opposed to snuffing it out. Yeah. Well, speaking of people who inspire you then, um, are there any films in particular or writers or directors that you really look up to? Um, oh gosh. I really like, I mean, we talked about him earlier. I really like Jason Siegel. Um, I like anyone who is a writer actor because it is what I yeah. aspire to be. So Jason Siegel's one, um, Bo Burnham, huge fan of his mm. Seth MacFarlane. I feel like they, yeah, they all do Seth Rogen, Bill Hader, like all of them, they write and they act and they, you know, they, they put themselves in their own movies. I think that is like there, I learned more about myself and my capabilities as an actor and like really solidified my brand as, as like what sets me apart and what is my voice as an actor when I started to write for myself. So even if you're not a writer and you're Everybody. just an actor and you're listening to this, you should be writing for yourself just to figure out like, what is it that I do that is different than everybody else? Cause, cause they always say like, Oh, you're going to, you know, you, you read the role. You, what can you bring in that's different than anyone else is like, yeah, you bring yourself into it, but to find who that is, I feel like you have to write for yourself and figure out what is it that you do that is, mm -hmm. that is so unique. Yeah, that's great. And I love that. Cause you know, I'm on a similar journey where I came out here for acting and now I've started to write and direct my own films. Um, and it's so yeah, rough draft, baby. Thank you. Thank you. It's so <laughs> empowering because you're not like waiting for someone else. And just like you said, it's like you figure out, oh, this is what keeps coming up for me when I write. This is the characters that I write to. Um, mm -hmm. So I want to ask, like, when you you've made some shorts, you've written features, where do you see or would like for your career trajectory to go? And I know I've, we've spoken about this where I'm very curious if you would now take these features and be interested in producing and making them for yourself to star in at all, or the goal really is to sell them to studios and it's kind of more out of your hands, or maybe you could be attached in some way. But what, what are your thoughts with that? Yeah, I think ideally, I would, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, I would be a, I would be the writer and actor. And we'd have a really great director and producers involved. And they'd be like, yeah, we want you to, we want you to act in this as well. But I understand that that's not always how this business works. So I think you have to establish some sort of clout first. You know, Seth Rogen and I think it was Evan Goldberg wrote Superbad. And Seth imagined himself playing Jonah Hill's role. But because right. it took so long for the movie to get made, he aged out. And he was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just be the writer. And they're like, oh. and But instead he played the cop with with Bill Hader. Yeah. And so that established him as okay, first of all, he can write a movie, he can also act, he can play this this other thing, and then he did Knocked Up as just an actor, and then he did Pineapple Express where he was an actor and a writer. So, I think it takes it takes a couple of stepping stones to reach that level where you're like, "Oh, I can I can write and I can act." 
but no one's gonna no one's gonna give you both shots. Like they're not gonna hand you El Dorado on a I was gonna say a silver platter, but that kind of goes against the, yeah. the El Dorado metaphor. It did. Um it did. But let's go for it. Silver and gold. There you go. I'm a writer. And yeah, so so that's ideally where I'd like to get to, but I don't know I don't know the trajectory. I don't know, maybe yeah. I, I feel that like the most momentum I've gotten in my career is when I started writing. So like I said, if if the horse, if the riding horse is further along, then I'll I'll keep feeding that horse some apples and carrots, you know? And and until I can establish some some sort of reputation as a writer, and then I'll be like, oh yeah, also I act because I've I've been producing all these sketches and these shorts and um yeah. hopefully we'll just keep building a reputation as both to a point where people will take a chance. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you were just saying about like if your first things suck and you have to bridge that gap between where your current skill set is versus your taste, it's kind of the same thing for discoverability too. Like you want to have that body of work underneath you where people can say, hey, there's Nate Huntley. Oh, he does comedy with heart really well. I bet we could trust him with this script or with this character. Like that's kind of how it's like a nice way to think about it. Yeah. And, and you know, when I finished that first script that, that I recognize now that is terrible. If, if I had, let's say that I wrote this really great script and like, it was actually really good and I submitted it and someone was like, yeah, we, okay. We like it. We like you. What else do you have? And I'd be like, uh, that's, that's it. Like, that's all that I have. It, I wouldn't, I wasn't ready for, I I wouldn't have been ready for success at that point. But now I'm, I'm just building this body of work. I've now got like an arsenal of scripts behind me, uh, an arsenal of uh, sketches. I've got this, this Scrooge McDuck horde of songs underneath me. So it's like, I'm ready. (laughs) It sounds like it's 40 a year. Jeez. Yeah. Well, like when opportunity strikes, like I should be ready for, you know, be like, yeah, this is what I do. I do all of these things. And, uh, and as I, as I go on, you know, if it takes longer for me to, for that horse to get there, I will just keep working, getting better and better at my craft. So then when, when opportunity knocks, I shall answer with my silver platter ready. To continue with the messed up metaphor. No, believe me, I want to continue this conversation forever. Um, but for time's sake, I am going to, I think that was a beautiful place to end it. So before <laughs> I ask you the final question, where can people find you and connect with you? Uh, yes. So you can find me on Instagram at Huntley Nate or at Argyle Gargoyle Comedy, or you can find me on YouTube at Argyle Gargoyle. Um, the first pop-up will be Mark Hamill with a Muppet. And then the next one should be me. <laughs> Love that. But it's a little gargoyle with like an Argyle sweater. <laughs> yeah. I'm not Mark Hamill. In case anyone was wondering. What? I know a lot of people were. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Isn't that me? Oh my gosh. Incredible. Well, this is the Hungry Artist Podcast. So Nate. What is your mm. recipe for success? 
Okay. <laughs> Do you, uh, so, so I feel like I have said so much of what my recipe is. What yeah. what should a recipe be? Should it be like uh, this is this is the this percentage of this, and then you add a little bit of this and let a pepper in some this? Like what 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 are some other answers? Because <laughs> 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 I'm like okay okay it's forty percent discipline, <coughs> it's thirty five percent creativity, it's twenty percent. Uh, the belief in yourself and 5% butterscotch ripple. Oh, well, that's okay, a Willy Wonka then. reference. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's 2%, 2% imagination. I, I can't remember what the, what the ratio is. I felt I like really, you were yeah, doing I, like a pizza con moment where you're like, I'm gathering the ingredients to make it my pizza. To, to make it a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I feel like I'll just, I mean, I really butchered that answer, but I feel like if I keep talking, I'll only make it worse. <laughs> so the, the recipe is knowing when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The recipe is get out. Yeah. It's like get in, say a couple things and know when to leave. Oh my gosh. This is so much fun. I'm like about to have a coughing fit. So I got to definitely wrap it up now. <laughs> but thank you, Nate Huntley, for all of your words of wisdom and, of course, your laughter. I can't wait to see what's coming up for you next. It's I know it's a lot of good stuff. And thank you. I'm so excited uh, that you're going to crush this podcast life with Hungry Artists. Rushing it. Can't wait to, to listen you. to everybody else's conversations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited and I'm so happy you're one of the first. Thank you. Woo! Thanks for listening to the Hungry Artist Podcast. You can join the community by subscribing so you never miss an episode and following on Instagram at Hungry Artist Podcast. I'd love to hear from you. So what were your biggest takeaways from this episode? And what would you like to hear more of in the future? Until next time, stay hungry.